The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. We've got a very diverse program in store for you today. Joe Mayer with Bedrock Petroleum Consultants. He's actually talking about the family-friendly cook-off coming to Golden, Colorado. It's the 2019 AADE Denver Fin Fur Feather Food Festival. That means you got to have something with a fin, something with a fur, something with a feather. That's what they're cooking September 21st at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds. Golden, of course, is next to Denver and less than an hour from Boulder. This should be a very interesting energy event as they bring in the community into areas that um, have some energy development, but also some protesting against energy development. So we talk about that with Joe Mayer with Bedrock Petroleum Consultants and the 2019 AADE Denver Fin Feather Fur Food Festival happening 21st of September at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds. Plus, Demita Engel with Metcalf Archaeological Consultants explains how archaeology is used in energy development, specifically oil and gas, talks about the advent of the digital age in archaeology from drones to automation. Other topics include regulations, tribal laws, emotional and sacred sites as well. Demita Engel with Metcalf Archaeological Consultants. And then Mark Bullock, the man, the myth, the legend over from England, now in the United States, bringing us some of his green ways down there in the world of energy and oil spill cleanup. Let me tell you, folks, this was not his regular job. He got pulled into this because of his expertise when it comes to in situ and ex situ conservation and cleanup. So Mark Bullock, BMA Biotech, Demita Engel, Metcalf Archaeological Consultants, and Joe Mayer with Bedrock Petroleum Consultants on today's program. And I'll tell you what, I want to find out about this Fin Feather Fur Food Festival coming September 21st to the Jefferson County Fairgrounds in Golden, Colorado. This is Joe Mayer. Joe Mayer, Bedrock Petroleum Consultants. One of the reasons we wanted to talk today was because of the Fin Feather Fur Food Festival, September 21st at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds. Uh, you were promoting this on your social media, and it caught my eye, and the part that really caught my eye was is that this is one of those events where you want people to come outside of the energy industry. You want people to invite people that are outside of the industry to come and experience an event. So talk to me a little bit about this event and what goes into it. So this event is um, I am the uh, committee chair for, and what it is is it's a family-friendly event that we can invite everybody within the industry. We have but we really, with all of the bad press and all of the 
media basically latching on to anything negative that has to do with oil and gas. We really wanted to show more of a personal side to the industry. And if anybody comes that is maybe on the fence or really against oil and gas, see that it is a family and it is something that, you know, it's people working and going to make a living. Nobody's trying to pollute the groundwater. Nobody's trying to do these things that we're always accused of. And oil and gas, um, the industry in Denver and some of the events that we hold in the past and here now recently is really aimed towards oil and gas people getting with oil and gas people. And it's usually adult style events. So this is one that we really like to let everybody know that, I mean, we are going to have pony rides. We're going to have balloon animals, space painting, where it is really a family friendly event. A lot of great food being cooked um, by, like I said, operators and service companies alike. So you kind of get to see the full spectrum of the oil and gas industry here in Denver. And, um, we, all of the proceeds are going towards either a precious child um, charity or, and at the end of the event, obviously there is a ton of amazing food that's prepared that is left over. All of that food is brought by our security um, administrator to the VA hospital to brighten the day of some of our vets that might be hurting or not able to leave and get some really, I mean, restaurant quality barbecue and fish dishes and really good things so it's we encourage people to invite their neighbors invite their friends and really have anybody out there that wants to really see the industry as as people and not just what you see in the news every day are you getting good success from people signing up and and expressing interest whether it be sponsors that sort of thing if you feel uh feel free to mention any of them or, or you know put a plug out there if you're still looking for them yeah, we're always looking for new teams. Um, we Coming out of the downturn, we definitely had a lull in a lot of um, service companies and operators alike sponsoring events. Just the money wasn't there. So this year, you know, we've been growing every year. We had 14 cook teams last year, which, as you're walking around, is a lot of food. But uh, we're definitely looking to grow that. I mean, we've got um, Verdad. We've got Incana. We've got Centennial. A lot of these companies that are are actually going to be cooking at the event along with redneck pipe and bedrock and enzyme and a lot of these companies that service the bigger operators and the smaller operators uh coming out and cooking as well so it's you really get the full spectrum of the entire side of the industry so last year we had about 300 people through the door um and that was everybody from participants to cook teams to people just coming out to the event uh, and we charge uh, a door fee for people to come in, but it's 16 and under free, and that really tries to encourage them to just bring the whole family out because there's not a lot of events where your wife and your three-year-old can come out and actually enjoy the event, um, get their face painted, ride a pony, you know, just something where the parents can enjoy it, the kids can enjoy it, and it's a family experience as well as being something supportive of our industry and supportive of some free charities. Do you have any idea what kind of food's going to be made? Oh gosh! As of last year, so the the name, as the name implies, it's a it's a competition where you either cook a fin, a fish, a fin, a feather, or a fur. So you kind of have, and there's awards for each, and then there's an overall award. So we had everything from ribs to fish tacos to um, jambalaya to grilled chicken to briskets to pork bellies. I mean, it is just a full spectrum of all different food and 
a lot of these companies like will like redneck pipe will bring guys out of texas that they bring their 30-foot smoker out and make some of the best ribs i've ever had and then you've got other companies that are based in louisiana that will come out with gumbo and um, boudin and some of these um, regional foods that you really don't get up here in denver so it's 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 really i can't even explain all the different things because every year people get so creative trying to win these awards that the food is just a full spectrum and off the charts i'm fortunate enough to be involved with the bakken barbecue we do a fundraiser for make a wish i've been the mc for five years now and no. i i always talk about the barbecue bravado that's the competition that the the bravado that gets infused into these competitions and and that sort of thing. Do you guys have a trophy? Do you, is it just bragging rights? Talk to me about what type of bravado is involved here. So there is a best fin, a best feather, a best fur, a best drink, because we do, the, each team does also do kind of a signature drink with their meal. Uh, some alcoholic, some non. Um, and then there's a best overall, and then there's a best theme. Um, and each one of these trophies, the best overall is a traveling trophy. So it's, you get to see kind of who's won over the last nine years, 10 years. And you get that trophy in your office for a year, and then it goes away where you're wanting to get it back. And there is that bravado, that competition that comes with it. So there's a lot that goes into We have some amazing trophies. It's something that you really would want to display in your office, and people come in and can see. And it, it is kind of a, you know, show off your... And that was Joe Mayer, the Bedrock Petroleum Consultants, also with the 2019 AADE Denver Finn Feather Fur Food Festival happening September 21st at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Up next, Demita Engel with Metcalf Archaeological Consultants. Demita Engel with Metcalf Archaeological Consultants, Inc. Metcalf Archaeological Consulting, Inc. Tell me a little bit about that company. Well, uh, Metcalf is uh, celebrating our 40th year in business in 2020. We are a group of archaeologists, geoarchaeologists, architectural historians, um, and support staff uh, that go out and make sure that 
the path is clear for any oil and gas and a lot of other projects uh, so they can keep going with what they need to do. Yeah, that's one thing that people are probably unaware of, the archaeological role involved with energy development. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that in terms of, from a broad, you know, 5,000-foot view, how that came to be in terms of, you know, y- your know-how, but then also how you got involved in this. Sure. Um, well, first, what we are is um, basically surrogates for agency archaeologists. They just don't have the staff to keep up with the demand of how much, how fast development is going, especially in this state uh, with oil and gas and uh, wind and solar and everything else. Um, so what we do is we go out and um, we first do a record check to see if there's anything already known about that area, an archaeological site. And what we do is not dinosaurs, <laughs> but uh, archaeology, anything 50 years or older, um, human-made. Um, and we go check it out. Uh, we do a, a walkover survey, and uh, if we do find something, we stake it out and make the proponent, the client, aware that, that they have something to avoid or deal with. And in most cases, we do reroutes on the fly in the field, and they can easily avoid it and keep going, uh, which means they can build that well pad or the road, put up the wind turbine, whatever they have to do to keep going. Um, how I got involved in it is, uh, well, there's two stories there. I got involved in high school, took my first uh, field school, and fell in love. But my mom swears that it was when I was two years old smuggling rocks into the house in my diapers, and I just have been in love with <laughs> all things uh, nature-related outside. So, um, yeah, and uh, I've been with Metcalf Archaeology for 15 years now. Um, started as a project director and worked my way up, and now I'm the general manager. But some days I sneak back outside <laughs> and take some projects of my own <laughs> to get away from my desk. Sure. And how how long have you been um, in Bismarck? Or where are you from? Where, where, where are you from originally? You said high school and that sort of thing. Yeah. Originally, I'm from Iowa. Okay. Um, transplant to South Dakota for my undergrad down to Nebraska for my graduate work, and then back to North Dakota. So, um, yeah, but I claim pretty much all of the Plains states. Sure. <laughs> so, I, I think a lot of people would probably find it um, unusual that the energy companies and archaeological companies, you know, work together, coexist together, that sort of thing. From your from your uh, standpoint, um, what, what type of relationship have you seen them have? Oh, you know what? Metcalf has really long-standing clients that are all over in all the sectors. Um, what we provide to them is an easy way to interact with the agencies they have to comply with. Um, the, the agencies need them if they're on BLM land or it's BLM minerals, Bureau of Land Management minerals that they access. Um, the companies have to work with that agency uh, to make sure that they're not hitting anything like Um, biological to like uh, Dakota Skipper, those sorts of things, endangered, which is bugs and bunnies. It's not what we do, (laughs) but just right alongside that is the archaeology. So we make sure that we we clear it for them, um, and they appreciate us because we have such a a close um, relationship with most of the agencies. We can call those archaeologists up, have a conversation, and in most cases, Uh, get that project moving along um, quickly and the agencies understand what we're doing and they trust that the proponent is doing things right when they use us. 
How many different states are you guys involved in? You're out of North Dakota there, Bismarck, but uh, are yeah, you involved uh, in Wyoming or Colorado or any other states? Well, yeah, we're involved in Colorado and North and South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Idaho, Nebraska, Kansas. Um, sometimes we push down into the Permian um, when we're asked by clients, but we, we try and stick to what we know. Um, and so that's, that's our core. Um, we've got offices kind of spread out um, all along that, those states, and we just opened an office in Wyoming as that, that play is getting uh, ramped up. Uh, so now, yeah, we're in Casper. Oh, you are in Casper, huh? Uh, t talk to yeah. me a little bit about that decision. Uh, you know, a lot of people are finding that they either have to expand or contract right now. It's not quite like the downturn, but it's not $100 oil either. Exactly. Yeah, and we try and we, we try and serve our clients. So if there are a bunch of clients clamoring and wanting us to be in Wyoming, we look at it critically. We don't just jump with both feet into a new market and then try and figure it out, but we, we had enough um, enough clients trying to ask us and, and saying that if we were in Wyoming, they would be using us. So um, we, we decided to pull the trigger, and we, we put up an office front in Casper. Um, now, granted, everybody's in the field already, so that office is pretty quiet right now, um, but that's a good problem to have, uh, be out in the field too much. Yeah, really, that is a good problem to have, huh? Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the shale plays that you're, you guys are in. Where you mentioned you're even seeing action down in the, the Permian. So uh, there is, sounds like there is a growing need for this particular, I guess, niche industry within um, energy development that people are still needing archaeological work, huh? It is, yeah. We, um, we, work with a lot of the, the agency folk and with agency lands. So um, BLM and U.S. Forest Service are, are big ones. Um, so we pretty much where there's there's pet, public federal lands, we are there uh, to help them with their compliance needs. Uh, so we, we have pushed in the Permian, but we're in the Niobrara. We're um, just pretty much everywhere. Definitely the Bakken and Three Forks area. And um, yeah, and the, the uh, oil fields in Wyoming. Um, so yeah, it's, we'll go wherever we're needed, uh, to help. How, how about the digital world we live in the wired world, if you will, you know, you think of archeology, span you think of rocks, you know, you talked about bringing right. rocks into as a kid, smuggling rocks <laughs> indoors. Right. Uh, you know, we live in the world of iPads and, and, and the wired world. Like I said, how digital has archeology span gotten? It has gotten so digital, the archaeologists of the, the past <laughs> would probably not recognize what we do. Um, instead of using a topographic map and a compass to lead the way, we have GPSs, we have uh, iPads, like you said, to record and to monitor where we are in the field. And then if we find anything, it takes pictures and everything else just right for us and GPS locations. Um, we use drone technology to map out areas and to recreate some of the, the cultural um, horizons that we find to bring them to life. They pop up. Um, we've done digital modeling. Uh, we use ArcGIS uh, to, to render those sorts of, of maps for us. Um, and our offices, we're, we're basically one big office at Metcalf. Um, we're completely connected with each other. Uh, we, we share clients and staff and um, 
um, files online, and so everybody jumps together. And and where where before back in the day, yeah, you were one person out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself doing projects. That's that's not the way it is this, <laughs> nowadays. Demita Engel, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with Demita Engel with. Metcalf Archaeological Consultants. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. So here's to all of the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is jason Spees. thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about well coming up next we continue the conversation with demita engel with metcalf archaeological consultants what do you want people to know uh kind of as we wind down here on this uh, interview some things that uh kind of a takeaway if you will you know people that that you want you want people to know about metcalf archaeological consultants you know what are kind of those bullet points that you 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 try to get people to at conferences and whatever dinners and that sort of thing that you guys you, you know talk to people what are those bullet points you guys try to make people remember well we try and remind people that um, all archaeology is local to someone. Uh, we've recorded and shared the results of our analysis of, of historic oil fields, like the Rangeley Field in Colorado, um, with industry folk. Uh, we, uh, oil and gas is in our blood, um, but we also try and share those results with everyone in the public and make that available to people. Um, a lot of firms that are already doing compliance work, paying us to go out there and survey, don't know that they could easily turn that information into a soundbite for themselves and say, hey, you know what, we we did good. We recorded and made sure that we avoided all of the, the important things out there on the landscape. Um, and with less than 10% of the entire state 
having been surveyed for archaeological purposes, um, it's a great opportunity to say that they're, they're including themselves in the archaeological database and making an important difference um, in, in making sure that our state knows what we've got for resources, both cultural and natural. So Metcalf is, is right there and can help out with, with anything that they need, and we're looking for some more partners. You mentioned the word local to someone. I wrote that down. I like that because, you know, it is. Everything is local to someone. And with the energy industry so focused on local control, I would imagine that, I don't know if it's a piece of marketing that you guys came up with or if that's something, you know, within the industry that's, that's, you know, kind of your nomenclature within the industry, I guess. I don't know. Is that you guys local to someone or is that something within industry? I would imagine it works really well within the oil and gas industry. It it does. I think uh, Craig Lee out of our Montana office coined that phrase, but pretty much, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure actually if he picked it up somewhere else, but that's that's our motto is that someone's going to care about what we find. Um, We just, yeah, that's... (laughs) It's local, it's here, um, and everybody's really interested in, in what we do. I don't know how many times people haven't said to me, oh, I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was growing up. So, Well, I, I would imagine, too, that uh, this can become pretty emotional for people. I mean, I, I've talked to some archaeologists in the past, you know, and they've, they've talked about, you know, sacred rock circles and, and burial grounds and that sort of thing. So when you start bringing that into the equation, I would imagine that some emotions can can come to surface. It can, and we try and be as respectful as possible, um, helping the tribes with whatever they would need um, and and transitioning things. We've, you know, it it happens in in construction. You find a a burial or a sacred item, um, and we just make sure that we follow the proper procedures of of, um, calling the the, uh, state um, group that that handles those sorts of things, and they contact the tribe, and we, we're just very respectful and know that that's, that's someone's heritage, that's someone's past, and and we know that those emotions are tied to that. So we, we do what we can to, um, to preserve that dignity of those sites and those individuals. Final thoughts without uh, me framing any question or me uh, <laughs> doing anything like that. I'd like to give guests kind of the final floor. That way or the final thought and the, the floor, so to speak, so they can either remind us of something or if they have a good recipe they want to disclose, that's fine too. Or if, uh, you know, kind of kind of whatever, you know, you want people to leave with. So the floor is yours. Okay. I would just like to remind um, everybody that uh, our development of this state is not just about oil and gas. It's about bringing in new families and expanding our urban centers uh, so that people want to stay and thrive in this community. And that means new transmission lines to get them electricity and working on road surveys and everything else. And wind, soil, oil and gas, coal, doesn't matter. We'll survey for it. We're there for you. And that was Demita Engel with Metcalf Archaeological Consultants. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. 
with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Mark Bullock, BMA Biotech. All right, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us here today. BMA Biotech, start off quickly by uh, letting people know what it is you're doing. So BMA Biotech specialize in a wide range of chemicals for the uh, primarily the oil and gas industry, but we also cover the facilities maintenance sector, wastewater treatment, and uh, we're starting to expand into the environmental services industry as well. And what shale plays are you guys in currently? Uh, so in the U.S., we're primarily focused on the Permian and the Eaglefoot because obviously they're central to us. Um, but we are starting to focus our efforts now of moving up to the back end. And uh, also we're looking at moving up to um, the tar sands in Canada as well, in various areas. That should be pretty exciting. Is that uh, You are seeing that kind of growth, though, because of the um, new service that you guys are providing? Yeah, I mean, it's not just the new service. What we're now seeing across the industry um, as a whole is that there's a new way of thinking starting to come about chemicals. Um, you know, the, 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 pro, you know the, the conventional chemicals, obviously, are petrochemical-based. Um, so due to the, the negative effects they, you know, that they can have on not just, you know, the, the health and safety of, of employees, but also the wider environment, um, as, you know, the U.S. and the rest of the world become more environmentally conscious, they're, they're starting to try and phase them out. Um, but there, there are very few companies like ours that actually do you know, products which are environmentally friendly and, you know, actually function correctly in their given application. Talk to me a little bit about that environmental movement that's going on. You know, everybody seems to want to be greener this day, these days. Uh, um, talk to me about the environmental services side of the uh, oil and gas industry. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when you get an oil spill, it has to be cleaned up. Um, or EMP waste bill, whatever it, you know, it has to be cleaned. There, there's no two ways around that. Um, and what we're seeing is, you know, the the long held um, thought that you know they can use X, Y, and Z products, which save them apparently save them money, or digging and hauling um, to dispose of the soil is no longer effective because you know we're, we're seeing a lot more. Um, what I would call charlatans within the industry who are claiming to have products which don't actually do what they say. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, we, we know of a company who claims that their product turns crude oil into sand. Um, it's, it's just not possible. It's not even probable. Uh, all it basically is is a type of high-grade detergent, which in short is um, basically encapsulating the, the oil and pushing it further down into the subsurface. So you know, it may seem revolutionary on the face of it, but when you actually dig into the scientific side of it, it, it genuinely doesn't work. It's just creating a, a far <clears throat> a far worse problem for the you know, for whoever's employing these guys and you know, a worse environmental profile of the industry because it's just not working. And that's where we come in because excuse me, we've seen where our products, you know, we, we measure our products not only on their performance, but also on how they enrich the environment. So when we make a product, we look at, you know, not just the usability for the client, but also how do we make sure that our products aren't going to have a negative impact. So, you know, if it's a microbial product, um, you know, and there's a lot of bad PR about microbial products in the industry because, it, you know, they are 
temperature tolerant. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. And here's to not letting this moment pass. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we talk with Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. Client, but also, how do we make sure that our products aren't going to have a negative impact? So, you know, if it's a microbial product, um, you know, and there's a lot of bad PR about microbial products in the industry because, it, you know, they are temperature tolerant, like all living organisms um but if you know how to balance the formulation correctly you can get outstanding results which is what we're seeing um with our chemical side of things you know we don't do in situ soil washing with the chemicals because this is where the big downfall is that people are just basically washing their soil in situ and pushing the contamination deeper into the subsurface where we you know we've developed a, a unit um that you can wash the soil pass it through this unit and it spits off the chemical one way it separates out the soil to another area of the unit and then takes out the um, crude oil or emp waste to another area how about the accountability behind this uh oftentimes at least i've heard cleanup companies can come in but the oil company the service provider i guess i assumed it was the oil company but it might not be uh, whoever that company is that's oftentimes doing the hiring ends up being the one who's accountable for it, not the not the spill-up cleanup company. Is that is that still the case? Yeah, yeah, that's still across the U.S., that, well, across the rest of the world as well. It's it's basically anyone who's caused the, um, the spill it is liable for what they call cradle to grave. So even if you bring in a spill company that claims to have cleaned it up, and in three years' time, you suddenly get leaching into a nearby lake, and it can be determined that it actually is the original oil that you had allegedly had cleaned up three years previous, you're still liable for that cleanup. So you're not just liable for the cleanup the second time, you're also liable for the environmental impacts you caused on any, you know, on anything around you. So it's, you know, if you do not do it correctly the first time, then, you know, you're just leaving yourself open to, or, or you know, service companies slash operators are, are leaving themselves open to, potentially you know environmental infringements what's the biggest trend right now you're seeing in your niche side of it uh 
you know, you mentioned it in, in situ earlier, of course, I was thinking of ex situ and remediation and all these different words that yep. come into it. What, what side of the cleanups are you seeing the, the biggest opportunity or the growth? Uh, we're seeing the ex situ more because, um, I mean, ex situ basically means that you're removing it from the original site of contamination and pulling it into another area um, until you can clean it adequately. Um, so that, I mean, we do all of our cleanups on site. Um, so there's not actually moving any contaminated soil around anywhere. Um, so that's the, one of the biggest niches. Because again, when you compare that to, to the, the dig and haul method, so the dig and haul basically is you bring in a company who will dig up the soil, who will put it into a, a, a roll-off box and take it to another facility for disposal. So f- you have to have a paper train from the point of origin to the point of disposal. And then you will then have to have paperwork to show that it's been disposed of correctly. Yeah, so again, it all brings in costs and you know regulatory compliance, which again can be a nightmare in itself. So we're seeing our our in situ, well, our ex situ on site treatments um, making more headway than um, in situ bioremediation. Because again, bioremediation is in itself it's effective um, in the in the right temperatures. Um, but again, it's it's costly in the sense of you know the way you treat it. You know, if it's in situ with bioremediation, you've got to drill boreholes, put in shafts with holes in to pump the product down and push it through the one side. You know, it's comparable to fracking, basically in situ bioremediation. You, you, in a sense, you're fracking the the soil with with microbes to get the contamination out. In Texas, is this still kind of um, underneath the Railroad Commission of Texas? Yep, Texas is the Railroad Commission. Um, you know, they, they do okay. an outstanding job at what they do. So, I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they're very thorough, the state of Texas, on the railroad side. There. Um, you know, I mean, yes, there are some regulations that were put in in 1993 or before that. So, you know, hopefully they'll update them to accommodate the, the changes in, in the industry in the sense of the new products out there. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so, yeah, trying to track some of these different things with the different organizations that are underneath them. I was going to ask you, um, are, is it difficult from state to state? I don't know about, uh, you know, different states you're in, but maybe like a New Mexico or Louisiana or Colorado or anything like that. Are you just still in Texas and just getting interest from other states now? Or have you started to get into other states and you're finding that there's uh, bigger challenges or? Well, typically we, we operate in the state of Texas, um, but our product has been used on various product, projects outside of the state of Texas with other companies, or we've gone along and assisted other companies when they've been, been doing cleanups. And we find on the whole, the, the regulatory side, you know, the agencies, providing you're doing what you're meant to be doing, don't have an issue. You know, providing you, you can clearly display to them that your product works, you know, your method is sound, and you actually know what you're doing. Um, it's quite an easy process. Mm-hmm. But... You know, if they get the impression that you genuinely don't know what you're doing and you're trying to pull a fast one and cut it and run, basically, that's when the issues, you know, they start to scratch the surface a little bit more. You know, we've heard reports where we heard of one company who claimed that they were working in a state and the state was so impressed with their product to this this, this on-site person, a sample, and took it to their home and started playing about with it. You know, and the, the first question that was raised when we did bring this up to the regulatory department was, you know, if we're going to test a product, we're certainly not going to do it in someone's house. It's going to be in a lab setting. 
So, you know, it's again, it's it's you've got to be careful what you hear from companies because sometimes you'll hear fantastical stories that they've got such a good rapport, but actually, in truth, they haven't. It's just you know, talk is cheap. Well, that's what I was going to say. A lot of this stuff, of course, you get you get into exaggerators and guys who talk about you know bigger than ten Super Bowls that they can do yeah. and that sort of thing. And is that is, is that starting to self correct a little bit more within your end, within your niche, the environmental services? It's yes and no. It's one of those ones where um, you know, do you want it fast and cheap, or do you want it, you know? expensive and good it's it all comes down to that and what we're seeing is that these companies can do you know lower rates than we can because you know they're genuinely buying their stuff for like three cents a gallon because it's that superb it actually doesn't work um in a sense of it doesn't turn crude oil into sand um where we are the ones that say well no you know we're going to charge you x number of dollars per cubic feet or per cubic meter, whichever they want to be charged by, because, you know, we know what we're doing. We've got a multitude of experience from the team that we've put together, and our products have been designed specifically for this. You know, it's not something that we found that can clean, I don't know, a wood-burning stove, for instance, of carbon. You know, we've genuinely developed this product specifically for uh, chemical soil washing. Mark Bullock with his BMA Biotech. Kind of... Talk to me a little bit about uh, what's next for you guys. Oh, next is, a, is you know, we, we're, we're slowly getting bigger and bigger projects through the door. Um, you know, we're starting to make a lot more tie-ins to a lot of companies within the industry. Um, we're, you know, we're slowly getting out there. Uh, well, slowly, it's actually quickly in, in some respects. And that was Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit The Crude Life. Dot com. That's the crudelife.com. And that's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Mark Bullock for coming on today's program with BMA Biotech, Demita Engel with Metcalf Archaeological Consultants, and Joe Mayer with Bedrock Petroleum Consultants. That's going to do it for today's program. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And for those of you who are tuning in on the Internet, thank you very much and for listening to the podcast, downloading the podcast at iTunes or iHeartRadio. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want to-
want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 